Jude, towards the end of the Bible. What chapter? Just Jude. Just before Revelation is Jude. Now we're going to be talking about seed faith, the basics of faith. We've spent, ever since I kind of planted here, we've been talking about love. But the Bible says we live out our faith by loving like Christ. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. So what fuels our love? This thing called faith. And it's important to learn how to be completely faithful to God. And in the bulletin, you'll always see every week, it's just there so you could remember, we kind of try to think through faith by thinking about a mustard seed, seed faith. S stands for saving faith. We need to understand what saving faith is and spread saving faith. Amen? Last week, we talked about empowered faith. You go from saving faith to empowered faith. Empowered faith is just this deep understanding and conviction that if you are completely faithful to Jesus in everything you do, God will produce a great result. That you don't have to fear one moment on this earth if you just decide, I'm going to be completely faithful to Jesus. And that's very, very empowering because how many of us battle with fear? How many of us legitimately, and I appreciate Thelma sharing, have experienced things that could put us in fear as we walk in our daily life? And God just says, hey, you learn to be completely faithful to me. You will be empowered. You will feel and understand power that's supernatural. Now you go, well, how do you do that? How do you get that empowered faith? We're going to be talking about that for the next number of weeks. But I want you to understand, the religious world teaches you something that's actually wrong about faith. The religious world will teach you, hey, you've come to church so we can give you this emotional experience that we're going to label faith. That faith is sometimes me convincing you something or you feeling something and that it should just wash over you. That church here is an experience to get you to feel a certain way. But faith is actually different according to the scriptures. Turn to Jude, verse 3. In Jude, verse 3, the Bible says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. You know, the the Bible, Bible says faith is something you need to contend for. In other translations, to fight for. Did you know faith is something you have to fight to get? Any religion that tells you faith involves no work was probably telling you the wrong thing because even to have faith, it takes a bit of what? Work. Faith is something we fight for, we strive for. It's not intuitive. It's not easy. It says, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So you just got to be careful about faith. Faith isn't just this easy belief, this mentality that, gosh, grace abounds and you could do anything you want. Faith is something we need to fight for. Are you ready to fight for it? Well, how do we fight for it? Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Now, as much as I like to have fun with you all and have fun in the lesson, we're kind of tight on time today because we've got a lot of meetings, a lot to prepare for, 
So we're going to crank through the scriptures today. Can you do that with me? All right, so we're going to go a little bit faster. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is empowered faith. No matter what happens, you know you're going to be like Jesus. But it says, Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving what? Together as one for the faith of the gospel. Interesting, right? How do you fight for your faith? We do it together. We strive together. A church is not built on our disagreements. Our ch- a church is built on our togetherness. That a church really should be striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so I want you to tell you about this lesson because this lesson is not actually for you. It's not just for you. You go, what do you mean it's not just for me? This lesson is for you to help each other. This lesson isn't just to help you personally, and I hope you are helped personally, but we need to start equipping ourselves to fight and strive together for the faith. Have you helped someone with their faith this week? Have you decided in your life, man, my role here is to help others grow in their faith. If you don't, let me equip you today. If you can't remember in the last seven days, really in the last day, that you did something to help someone with their faith, let me help you help others. Acts chapter 2. Because we're going to talk about how do I have this empowered faith. Either later this year or early next year, we're going to really re- reboot and really retool and make sure we are equipped to teach saving faith. We're going to be doing what we call faith principles and start equipping ourselves to teach others about saving faith. It has been uh, actually from my vantage point, I haven't taught faith principles to a ministry for about four years. So we, we really need to do it. And I'm not sure when the last time you guys did it, but we're going to probably do it together as one ministry, um, south and east. At this, not, not together like in the same room, but at the same time, start equipping ourselves to make sure we can help people have a saving faith. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter puts it very simply, what is a saving faith? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38... In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So Peter's just saying, hey, this is how you have a saving faith. Repent and be baptized. So that's pretty cool. So he, Peter's talking to the crowd, and he says, this is how you get saved. But then it goes on to verse 40. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, get to get saved, it just took a sentence, repent and be baptized. I can teach you how to get saved in basically one sentence. But Peter went on and he said, this is how you stay saved from a corrupt generation. Now that took many other words. Because you know, you can get saved fairly quickly. But to live saved, this is a world that is constantly trying to steal your faith. Have you ever experienced that? 
Have you ever just decided in the morning, I'm going to do awesome spiritually, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and you thought, man, I'm in the zone, and the moment you walk out that door, bam, something happens. Steal your faith. And so we've got to understand, it could be you're driving and the billboard tries to steal your faith. You could turn on the radio and the news tries to steal your faith. You could drive in traffic and the driver ahead of you tries to steal your faith. And so that's why Peter goes, let me add some many other words here. Because this is how you stay saved. You know, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then what did those many other words lead to? Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. How do you stay saved from this corrupt generation? We're going to talk about having devoted faith. How do you become empowered spiritually? You see, I'm going to teach you how to help each other. Does that sound good? A lot of us, even just, we, we help each other based on how we were raised, right? A lot of times we help, we parent, many of us as parents, parent, whether we like it or not, the way we were raised. And, and so sometimes if, you know, we had harsh parents, we can struggle being harsh parents ourselves or even harsh in the fellowship. If we, you know, some of us had that sink or swim, swim type of dad, you know, it takes, you don't know how to swim and he'll teach you by throwing you in the water. Some of us, we had neglectful parents and so we can kind of get neglectful. We don't know what to say to our kids. We don't know what to do with our kids. We don't know sometimes what to say or do to each other. And so I just want you to understand, I'm going to help you in one area. You see, because sometimes in our church, we know, we, we kind of motivate each other. We motivate each other by, in two ways. Sometimes we try to scare each other with a curse or bribe each other with a promise. You know, if you don't read your Bible or pray, if you're not devoted, God's going to curse you. You're going you're gonna to walk out this door and bad things are going to happen. Like somehow our walk with God is some sort of witchcraft spell that protects us. Sometimes we go, no, 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 no. If you do right, God, there's a promise. You're just going to get lots of stuff. If you're right with God, you know, he's going to bless you this way, bless you that way, bless you this way. And then when you don't get those blessings, how do you feel? Empty, sad. Does that make sense? So I'm going to let's just use common sense today. I want us to, I want to motivate each other to help each other with each other's faith by just common sense. You want to have a strong faith? Think about how you want to have a strong body. It takes two things, diet and exercise, right? If you want to grow, if you want to be stronger, you want to be healthy, it takes two things, right? Diet and exercise. Doug Weber's not going to want to visit anymore because we'll just call him out every time he comes. But, right, if you ask Doug, right, what does he say to his patients? Hey, you know what? Diet and exercise, can I have your co-payment now? <laughs> That's what we need, right? 
Co-payment first. There you go. That's right. Before I tell you, diet and exercise. And so what we say, what's the spiritual equivalent with diet and exercise in the church? It's devotion and exercise. Today we're going to talk about devoted faith. This feeds you. Your devotion is like your spiritual diet. Let me tell you about diet. Not that I'm an example of it. You go, let me tell you about diet. I heard the silence, guys. You know, sometimes silence speaks louder than anything else. Let me tell you about diet. Silence. You're like, I heard that. Like, you didn't, I, it's, like, I heard this, really? So let me tell you something, okay? At first, when we're young, our diet helps us grow. Right? If you don't have the proper diet, what, what do you do with little kids, right? You eat to what? Grow. Right? And you hit those teen years, man, you can eat anything because you're just growing. And then at a certain point, rut row, you can't eat the same things anymore because you grow in a different way. Right? You, you, you feed to grow initially, and then after a certain point, most of your life, you just eat to live. You're not eating to grow anymore. You're just eating to live. Now, if you stop eating or you eat poorly, what do you end up doing? Dying. So you're not necessarily eating to grow anymore. You're just eating to live. When your kids are young, right? I spend a lot of time with my younger kids to get them to eat, right? You bribe them, right? When they're little kids, you do the open your mouth. Mm, here it comes, here it comes, Willie, here it comes. Open your mouth. Mm, mm, mm. You're just trying to get them to eat. Ah, uh, ah, uh, right? When they're little. Because it's hard. You have to learn how to eat. You have to learn what to eat. And then after a while, you just eat to live. That's how it is with devotion. Basic Bible devotion. When you're a young Christian, wow, it's helping me grow. When you're a young Christian, it's hard to do to have that basic devotion. But after a while, you need it to live, but you don't feel it like feeding your faith, like making you grow. It just keeps you alive. Some of us, we live in thrill-seeking Christianity. And, and so you go, well, the food isn't exciting enough. No one's making the food into a helicopter to go into my mouth. No one's preparing it. So I'm going to go for junk food now because it's tastier. It's quicker. It's easier. And so I want you to understand, diet and devotion, when you're helping each other out spiritually, just use some common sense. Just go, hey, you know what? I think you are starving yourself. Use common sense with each other. You know what? It looks like you're eating quick, fast food or junk food. Let's talk about, well, what do we feed ourselves? What should be our diet or our devotion spiritually? It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And what we're going to do is we're going to cover these individually over the next number of weeks. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
So remember I said how we need to fight for devotion? Let me put it in another way. You need to spar for devotion. You need to spar for your faith. You go, what does spar stand for? Remember, Mr. Acronym right here. S says they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. You got to study your Bible. That's it. Study your Bible. I didn't say read your Bible. I said study it. We're going to talk about that next, not this coming week because we're going to have the fall fest, but then the following week in November, we're going to talk about how you need to study your Bible. You need to know it. It's got to stick in your mind. You've got to use it. You've got to apply it. We're going to talk about studying the Bible because they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, not entertained by the apostles' teaching. Do you, see, do you understand that? It says they were devoted to prayer at the end. So what's, what's the P in spar? Prayer. You got to pray. Now study the Bible. You got to pray. I'm trying to make the lesson quick, but let's just look at the scriptures I had planned out. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. I want us to understand this. Study the Bible. Let me rifle through this so you could just see. We need to spar to feed our faith. Your faith does not live by your natural emotions or your inclinations. You need to feed it. In Matthew 4, verse 4, the Bible simply says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see how the Bible is our food? You've got to study the Bible. It feeds you. See, I don't need to scare you. I don't need to make false promises. I just need you to understand when you're not in your word, you're starving yourself. Don't read your Bible as a lucky charm to make sure God blesses you. Don't read your Bible because you're afraid lightning's going to come down and strike you. Just simply go, gosh, I got to feed my faith. I've got to really feed and strengthen and nourish my faith. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 2. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Guess what? Prayer feeds you too. See, we thought, wow, no, I eat because I work. I eat because of my effort. We, a lot of times we think much of what we happens in our lives is because we made it happen, we did it, and all sorts of things. God says, no, did you know the food you eat comes from him? Prayer feeds you. And sometimes we need to have that, that perspective. Everything we have is from God. You will pray more if you understood that. Sometimes what I do, and I don't know if I've preached this to you guys, but I, I, you know, was out, when I was a little kid, what, and even today as an adult, now you're going to think I'm odd, but, you know, here we go. <laughs> what puts me to sleep? It's really sad and nerdy. Superhero battles. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I used to dream, I read comic books, I used to dream of all the superheroes fighting each other in my brain and put me to sleep. Sometimes I do that even now as an adult. Right? But it helps me in my prayer life too. When I'm praying, I dream, I envision angels moving and battling and taking care of things and making things happen. 
In my mind, I just envision it. I see it. Because that's reality. That's actually what's happening. See, we eat. Our food is driven by our prayer life. Do you believe it? Let's close out John chapter 4. The A in spar oftentimes with me is and. (laughs) So we study our Bibles, we pray, and we reach out for relationships. In John chapter 4, the verse 34, I'm going to give you what happens here. Prior to verse 34, the disciples go out, they're out to get some food. Jesus reaches out to the woman at the well. He helps her, he he convicts her. She goes out. She meets a lot of people. The, the apostles come back. The disciples come back. They go, what's going on here, Jesus? And Jesus was just talking to this woman. And, and, and in verse 33, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. You know, Jesus was just saying, you know what feeds me is reaching out to people. Just what feeds me is reaching out for relationships. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. You see, a lot of times we say, hey, you got to be devoted to the fellowship. you got to really be devoted to the breaking of bread. You go, what does breaking of bread mean? It could mean the Lord's Supper, but later on in that passage it says, they, hey, they just broke bread and had glad and sincere hearts. It also could be just, let's have some good times. But I think many of us, and, and I want you to ask yourself this question in the group here. When was the last time you had someone into your home? Someone in this fellowship. When was the last time when someone said, hey, they got baptized? You go, hey, why don't you come over to my house? When was the last time you just met someone here and say, why don't you just come over to my house? You see, I say we've got to reach out for relationships because many of us, we want the relationships, but we're not reaching out for them. I will say it once. I'll say it a thousand times. We need to sit closer to each other. You sit far away. Maybe it's so that you could reach out for relationships. Maybe I need that. That scripture's got to be true so I can just reach out for a relationship. No, you know, sit closer. Make it easier on yourself, right? Talk to the people around you. Reach out. Bring them in. But Jesus, that feeds me. Hanging out with people, pulling them in. That feeds me. That nourishes me. Interesting, right? So this is the diet of a disciple. Are we starving in one of these areas? Some of us, we are like Adkins diet. I'm only reaching out to people. I'm just not studying the Bible or praying much. You know, some of us, well, I just drink milk. That's it. I'm just praying a lot. Do you get that? And God says, no, I want you to have the full meal. Much have that appetizer, Right? I want you to enjoy the entree. I want you to have the dessert. And so this is where we want to have and just just start developing a devoted faith. 
Talk to each other about it. You don't have to scare one another. You don't have to make false promises. All you just got to do is say, hey, when you're not doing that great spiritually, this feels like it's growth. It's really hard to start eating all this food. But the more you get used to it, it's just going to be your, di- your diet. It's just going to keep you healthy and keep you strong. And then we're going to have an amazing empowered faith.